0: Hi.
1: Hello.
0: I'm Evan. I'm Addie. And you are listening to the Speaking English podcast. This is episode 105 and also our second anniversary, I guess. Is that what you
1: said? Yeah. Or would it be better to call it a birthday?
0: Second birthday. We're two years old. <laughs> Happy Speaking birthday. English podcast <laughs> is two years old. Happy birthday.
1: That is so crazy. Good for us. Yeah. You're dedicated.
0: Two whole years. I've had so much fun doing this.
1: Me too. I really it's, look forward to it every week.
0: Yeah, it's such a good like outlet.
1: Yeah.
0: Before really before we started this podcast, I would just give all my opinions on movies and stuff to all these random strangers and then like, why are you talking to me? Now I can get it all out of my system and be a real person.
1: Before we started this podcast, I was never giving my opinions on movies to anyone. I was <laughs> <laughs> watching them and keeping them to myself. And now I go. think more critically about things.
0: There you go. Here we are. Um, we didn't like plan anything for it because we did a whole lot of stuff for episode 100. so mm-hmm. but I still wanted to make a fun point about it. We're uh, two years old, so happy birthday. This to is us. happy birthday. Uh, this is um, episode one hundred and five, and our March wrap up. Uh, if you're new here, every month at the end of the month, we talk about what we read and watched in the month. And this is that for March twenty twenty two. Before we get into that, though, how has your week been?
1: Um, it's been long and boring once again. <laughs> I've just been doing school. Mm-hmm. I have really kind of a pitiful wrap up this month. Um, because grad school is just hard and it just takes up all my time. (laughs) And I, this is, we're like a quarter of the way through the month now, you know, and I have not been doing very good about my goals for this month. Mm. Um, I only went to the movie theater one time instead of four times, like I had the goal of doing. So I don't know. It's been, it's been a boring week and kind of a long month. Oh yeah, I did go to a concert (laughs) on. <laughs> that was fun. Um, my f- friend who lives here in Fort Collins, one of her really good friends is the lead singer of a band called the Crooked Rugs. And I, this is my third time seeing them because every time they perform pretty much my friend group and I just go support. And this was, uh, they headlined the Aggie in Fort Collins, which is like a pretty big venue for them. So that was really, nice. really fun and cool. And I, so, okay. I did have a really good time on Friday when I was, that was like the only fun thing I did this week pretty
0: much. That's fair. And maybe a little bit odd because my week went by pretty fast, but also not a lot happened. I don't yeah. know. I'm losing track of time.
1: I know. I just, I'm really looking forward to this semester being over so I can slow down a little bit again.
0: Yeah. I'm not looking forward to for this semester being over because then I'm graduated and I don't know what I'm doing with my life.
1: That is pretty crazy. Pretty exciting.
0: I'm graduating in like a month.
1: Oh, my God. That's, that's crazy.
0: Yeah, that's weird. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Can I come to your graduation? Sure. Yay.
0: It'll be cool. It's the first in-person graduation since COVID, like commencement since COVID started. So
1: I'm honestly a little bit jealous because I never got to have an in-person oh. graduation from college, and I didn't really think I would mind that much, but I I honestly kind of do. <laughs> it makes me a little sad.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. That's Okay.
1: I'll be all right. <laughs> my there. grandparents, though, I don't know if my grandparents will ever recover.
0: <laughs> <Aww. laughs> oh, so are you gonna graduate from grad school or is that?
1: Yes, is there have, like, there's
0: like a ceremony and stuff.
1: There will be a cute little ceremony. It'll be super, super small. Well, there you go. Yeah,
0: it'll be it'll be more fun that way.
1: I think so too.
0: Trust. Yes. Um. Yeah, I guess I don't have anything else interesting to say about this week. I'm working yeah. on my final film project for my analog class. And I'm really excited about it.
1: That is very exciting. Uh, what do you think?
0: Well, it has to be done before I graduate.
1: <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> so
0: like, that's, that'll just be my month this month. I'm working on that a lot, because I have a lot of work to do for it.
1: Nice. Best of luck to you.
0: Yeah, I really got to get in gear. This month is going to be really busy. I
1: hope it'll yeah. be. that'll be good
0: yeah i need a i need a busy month nice um cool so for our mailbag this week we're going to talk about the oscars we didn't do any questions and stuff because we did a whole episode on the oscars last year and this year we Mm -hmm. did not but i honestly this year for whatever reason i cannot have cared less about the oscars (laughs) (laughs) that's funny i uh well i did i looked back at it now to like check before we talked about it and of you know, anything that won awards, I've only seen three of the movies that, mm. like, either won awards or, like, components or something, um, which were Dune, Drive My Car, and um, No Time to Die, whose song won Best Original Song.
1: Nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> awesome.
0: But do you have any, like, big opinions on Oscars this year?
1: Um, well, first of all, I want to say congratulations to Aubrey, who correctly predicted. Oh, that's true. Who yes. That would win Best Picture. Um, and that might be oh I saw all the animated shorts remember I talked about yes, that uh-huh. wrap up and I desperately wanted the corny one about modern love to not win and it did win oh, so no. that, this is like um my octopus teacher all over again <laughs> it feels like every year I like passionately hate some nominee and then it wins it's <laughs> category and that I don't know I'm like cursed or something so that was my biggest disappointment of the night (laughs) other than that uh, I don't really I don't know (laughs) good for all the winners there
0: you go yeah I don't know I think I'm really mad about the Oscars I am gonna maybe boycott them in the future boycott watching them in the future
1: I will say that I watched um, the eyes of Tammy Faye this month Mm
0: -hmm.
1: uh, which I'll talk about later because Jessica Chastain won Best actress for it. Okay. Sure. And she she was so good at it. Yeah. Well deserved. But after I watched that movie, I was like, how did this not get nominated for Best Picture when Nightmare Alley did? Like I just can't. I sometimes the nominations, they just make absolutely no sense to me.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I agree, although I don't know about that one specifically, but just, it, it's just like it seems very out of touch with like the people that I know that watch movies and mm, the people yeah. whose opinion on movies, I respect, <laughs> I guess. So it just feels weird. And like some years it's better than others. Um, but this, this year I was so like cold to it and I didn't really like get invested in it. And I think the big part of it, well, the big part of, the, of like what bugs me is that they, for ratings sake, because the ratings are apparently so bad last year, they got rid of presenting a lot of the awards and the ones that were interesting that I actually cared about and liked.
1: I know. I I guess they like privately presented some of the awards before the show actually started. Um, And like nobody went, like there was no audience for some of them, which really sucked except for, I heard that Jessica Chastain was there to see like, her team for the eyes of Tammy Faye win for makeup. I did, that just made me like Jessica Chastain even more. That was it was cute to me that she went to support, even though nobody yeah. else was in the audience for that award.
0: There you go. Yeah, that is nice. I didn't know about that. How fun! But I just hate that that was a thing anyway.
1: I know. Like that's funny. just it's just really rude and
0: dismissive. Yeah, and I think I think the like the logic behind it was that like people didn't watch enough. Like apparently they had the lowest ratings ever last year. But, and their response to that is to try to like get wider appeal by inviting people to like present that aren't even really part of the industry. Mm -hmm. And on the one hand, I get it because like Hollywood is always like this insider thing that is kind of dumb. But Mm -hmm. I think that the answer of like getting people who aren't even involved in movies to do stuff like really works in even the opposite direction. Mm Yeah. So that pissed me off. And if they continue to do stuff in that direction, I will, I didn't watch it this year because I had no way to, um, which is another thing. Like if you're really yeah, so obsessed about the ratings, like make it easier to find, to watch for free. Awards that I care about the most are like the technical ones because that side is interesting. And it's really cool when a movie that really kind of, <clears throat> excelled in like one area, one specific area or another, gets recognized for it. Like I was so excited that um the Sound of Metal won best editing last year because that's something that we talked about when we watched it. We're like, yeah, the editing yeah. is like, really good on this. It's crazy. Yeah. Totally. And, like so it feels really, really stupid that like the trade awards are the ones that they like benched because people who actually yeah. care about movies, those are going to be the ones that they want to see presented. Right. At least for me, that that's what it seems like. Um, meanwhile, things like best original song or whatever, something that I really don't care about, but yeah. they put so much importance on it. Like they present, like they sing all the songs. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't watch it. And then of course we, the only thing that anyone has been talking about, like the whole week, um, which is just, I don't know, it's stupid. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't even want to really mention it. Can we just not, like, not talk either. about it? Okay. <laughs> I don't okay. want to talk about it. Either. All right, that's fine because <laughs> okay. I've too much stuff about it this week. And I, yeah, congratulations to Coda. I will try to watch it at some point. I I said last week that I would watch whatever one Best Picture. Yeah, in the week, but I am not gonna get Apple TV Plus.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel too. I I'd really like to see it, but oh man, the the existence of so many separate streaming services yep. is really starting to get a little bit out of hand. I will absolutely not buy Apple plus. Yeah. So I don't know how I'm going to watch this movie, but I will try my best.
0: There you go. Yeah. If they do like screenings in a theater, I will watch it. Cause I yeah. know they do that a lot. And I think they are, I, I did look if it works out uh-huh. at the local theater, they are showing it at some point. I'll see when it is, but nice. Yeah. It's weird. It's just weird to me. Cause I was pretty invested in it last year for whatever reason. Yeah, um, like we had a real fun time with it, but this year, we did, like yeah. even in the run-up and the nominations and everything, I just really couldn't care less. I don't know why, yeah. but uh, <laughs> so that's that's our Oscars section.
1: There it is.
0: Yeah, tell us what you thought about the Oscars. We will do that mailbag next week and throw in your own opinions and stuff and we'll talk about it because this is just something that like I have very strong opinions about, but also like. Uh, very strong opinions of indifference <laughs> like, so, yeah, <laughs> which i think is the perfect amount of paradoxical for how stupid the oscars have become <laughs> <laughs> um all right let's get into it books okay. we read i did i have two to talk about this month
1: i have only one
0: all right uh i can go first then cool the first book i read this month is called "The Unbearable Lightness of Being" by Milan mm-hmm. Kundera, um, a Czech author. Another Czech author. I'm, I'm uh, I. I talked about uh, the pamphlet that Václav Havel wrote. At, like that was the first book I read this year. Um, mm-hmm. I actually bought this one at the same time from a Czech bookstore when I was in there in Prague. Mm-hmm. So it's like uh, I wanted to buy Czech authors while I was in Prague. So mm-hmm. it's only now that I'm getting around to it. And um, this book is like one that I think a lot of people are familiar with, uh, to be honest, and it lives up to the hype. This one is a five out of five for me, I would say. And uh, yeah, it's been a good year for books already. I've already had two five out of fives. That's awesome. And one four and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, there's just, it's just like, the way that this book presents its information tells its story is so thought provoking because it, it tells like a narrative story about people,
2: mm-hmm. but
0: it, it's very clear that the author is speaking to you directly and that the characters are inventions. That, Cause but it, it, I don't know the way that he writes is just so cool because he, he talks about th- these people um, in a way that, is present like he's presenting it as like lessons for the reader and -hmm. is very upfront about that this is a story uh but at the same time like every character is like so actualized and interesting Mm -hmm. and it really kind of gets into the headspace and makes you think about so much stuff
2: that's really cool
0: yeah it was really just like baffling and mind-blowing how much like existential kind of questions I had <laughs> reading it um and it was cool that like it's it's just every time I read about stuff about Prague now it's so cool because it's like I've been there like I've I lived there for yeah. so like not not terribly long but you know like long enough that it was not a visit and it was actually living there which i think is is, is cool because I mean if you think about it I've really only lived in four places in my life and Prague is one of them so I think that's cool.
1: I think it's really cool too.
0: Um, And even like when I watch movies from the Czech New Wave, it's like I recognize these streets. I walk in these exact same places, and I don't know. That's just really interesting to me. Yeah, I don't know. Like it's there's so much in this book that it's really kind of impossible for me to like break it down. But I I would universally recommend it. Nice. Um, I think it's it's another pretty essential reading. Um, and really kind of gets you thinking about like your own values and that sort of stuff. The unbearable light five out of five.
1: Wow. That is amazing. <laughs> I'm so happy for having such a good reading year. Yeah. Um, okay. The only book that I read this month was my penguin orange pick for March, which was the snow leopard by Peter Matthiason, which I had, it was one that I'd never heard of before starting the Penguin Orange Collection, reading them all. Um, But it is about, well, it's like a memoir from Peter Matthiessen who journeys to Nepal um, to, I don't know. (laughs) I think that their intention was to study sheep and also maybe see a super rare snow leopard while they're there. But Peter Matthiessen is also kind of a Zen Buddhist and wants to be on this travel trip for like spiritual reasons. And the book, The Snow Leopard, is really just the journal that he kept during this like trek of a couple months through the mountains. Um, and it was so good. I liked it so much more than I expected to. I went into it kind of being like, I don't think I have much interest in this like topic at all. And um I was I was wrong. <laughs> it really was like so, so good and interesting. Peter Matthiason is just a really really good writer like it it was crazy how much this book didn't really read that much like it was just journal entries because he's just a great writer like kind of objectively it's like his talent for writing is just insane um and it just kind of did like exactly what i think a memoir is supposed to do which is like be personal enough that it's unique um and I don't know, insightful offers like really interesting personal insights, but also kind of universal enough that you can take these ideas and make them applicable to your own life, even though you'll probably never have this experience of like hiking in Nepal, you know, maybe who knows. Um, But it's still, you can just pull so much from it that makes you think about your own life experiences and stuff. So, yeah, it's part nature writing and part this spiritual journey that you get to go on with Peter Matthiessen. And it was just really excellent. And I just loved it a lot more than I ever expected to. And I don't really want to read it because it's a memoir. Um, But I loved it. I loved it a lot. And I would really highly recommend it to pretty much anybody.
0: Nice.
1: (laughs) It was really interesting.
0: That's cool. Penguin oranges are going crazy.
1: They're really crushing it for me. <laughs> I have yet to dislike one, like even a little bit. Like I really loved all of them that I've read so far. I haven't started my April selection yet. So we'll see how this one goes. I actually don't even remember what I picked for April <laughs> and I need to check. <laughs> right.
0: We'll see, but I'm sure it'll be good.
1: I'm sure. Sh- Feel so confident that they'll all be good. So yeah. I'm really loving this little project that I'm doing.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say like that's a what a great what a great uh, undertaking for the year.
1: Right, having a good time.
0: It's already paying off. <laughs> um, besides the smoke gets in your eyes, the other book I read this month is called "In the Blink of an Eye." So two books in a row that I read with the word "eye" in the title. It was that kind of month in March. That's funny. <laughs> Lots of eyes. Uh, this is by Walter Murch, who's one of the. Um, I feel like if you're thinking about like editors, film editors,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Walter Murch would be in the top three to five most famous and well known. Okay. He did things he worked with Francis Ford Coppola, probably most notably on The Godfather and uh, the all the Godfathers and uh, like Apocalypse Now. In the conversation um, and he's done plenty of other stuff he's like a big name uh, and this book was kind of not an exact transcript but like based on a lecture he did on about like the basis of editing and stuff mm-hmm. um, this is something that is a reread actually uh something i read my first semester of production um mm-hmm. in school and i wanted to reread it because it's a short nice read and uh, to see, like, how I feel about it now that I'm about to graduate. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. like kind of, like, comparing what how where I was at at the beginnings of uh, college towards the end. So it was, it was really cool. And um, I also kind of look at it from a way to kind of talk about editing, um, like, when watching movies, too, because I'm, like, kind of shifting my focus um, in, like, the industry, I guess, towards, like, T- writing and talking about movies uh instead mm-hmm. um and so it's, it's really interesting because i think this book kind of there's maybe half of the chapters i would want to like show people to kind of read and think about and to have like the way that they think about movies be differently because I, I i was ha- like maybe halfway through reading it i was like oh, i need to like give this book to Addie so she can see what i'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, not all of the book is like that. There's a lot of stuff that you'll only get like if you're know about editing yourself. Okay. So it's like weird to recommend in that way. Uh, I think it's, yeah. it's definitely a good one if you're just starting to, like if, if you're in the field and want to start getting into that. Yeah. Um, but I think it's like definitely a must read. Um, And I would say that certain chapters of it are also a must read um, for anyone like watching movies and stuff. So Cool. there's like like certain sections but the thing is that it jumps back and forth so like it's not like you can just read the these page numbers in a row like the first half of the book or whatever because he just kind of jumps around on a different stuff so
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's interesting but it was such a such a nice kind of like read to kind of touch base again with, with some of the foundations I guess um because he has a lot of really good ideas in the way that he thinks about stuff Is and is able to articulate it um, is super cool as well. Awesome. Then, yeah. The second half of the book is also focused on digital editing, like analog versus digital, which is something I kind of touched on when we were in our Buffalo 66 episode. Yeah. Um, but that part is cool just because we've like moved completely digital. And he, he even says he's like, you know, in 10 years. Well, he, he, Philosophizes on what movies are going to be like in a hundred years, but he's also like, "This is happening. We're going to switch everything to digital." And at this point, it we're kind of at that point. Um, the only thing that's analog, and it's probably only analog half the time, um, is actually like in production when you're shooting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, a lot of people still shoot on film, uh, but beyond that, you know, we project digitally in the theaters. Everything's edited digitally, so nice. it's it's interesting to read about kind of like in the middle of that change and he knows that it's going to keep happening and so that was fun for like a historic like film history kind of perspective too but yeah it's a short read and if you get a chance to get your hands on it i would say uh, it's an interesting one if anyone wants to check it out but yeah it's called in the blink of an eye by walter merch very cool um no rating for that one because it's a so i don't know not really able to be rated i guess yeah. <laughs> um but yeah so that's that's what we read this month ta-da
1: i really hope i read more than
0: one book next month or this month i don't know i don't know if it'll
1: happen because it's still a full jam packed month of school
0: it's gonna be a busy month for me as
1: well
0: it's gonna have to be busier than it has been for me i need to shape up because i have lots of work to do (laughs) like in the semester up to this point like i didn't like it was okay that I haven't been doing too much, yeah. Because there hasn't been too much work, but I have yeah. two big papers to write, and movies. <laughs> now, so yeah, it'll be cool. I don't know. It'll be cool. But, all right, let's get into the movies.
1: Okay, I think I think that I have five movies to talk about, um, but they're not all all that interesting. Do you remember if I talked about watching Juno last month?
0: You didn't. Uh-uh.
1: Okay, excellent. Then I
0: have. Five. I would have remembered that.
1: <laughs> I, I loved you know so. <laughs> Technically, uh, I watched it last month, but I wasn't
0: sure if I talked about it or if I decided to save it for this month. Oh, gotcha. Um, okay, I can start. I'm going to skip over some of the ones that I don't have anything interesting to say about. Okay. Uh, so the so I did uh the Boulder International Film Festival was at the beginning of the month, and I was like volunteering and stuff for it, and I was also kind of just lazy that weekend so i only went and saw one movie uh that was part of it it was called small body this is italian in an in italian picture about um a woman who who's had like a kid but it, it didn't live um mm. when it was bo- like it was stillborn, i guess is the term that they uh but she didn't get a chance to, have, to have a name and be baptized um mm. and you can't baptize a dead baby. But right. there's this legend. If you go to this place, um, they can resurrect the baby long enough for it to be baptized. And then so she's like, that's crazy. I want to do that. And then so she goes and she, that's like a journey about going to do it. That
1: is um, so crazy. Yeah.
0: I was really intrigued by the premise. Yeah. This is, uh, this is one that goes to some interesting places. Um, it's a very kind of like, I think maybe as you would expect, of movies that you would see at a film festival, it's it's presented in a very like not traditional way, I guess, like a very kind of. It's all about the moments, I guess, is, mm-hmm. um, and it had its ups and downs. But there was towards the end, there was some really kind of moving moments that really kind of got to me. But um, yeah, I don't know. It was it was a cool one. It was a cool one. Cool. Um, I give this one a seven out of ten, and I'm nice. glad to have seen it. If I mean it's not out like anywhere widely available yet, but if you get a chance to watch it, I would say check it out. It's uh, it's an interesting one, and yeah, I just really like the premise of that. because That's such a such a cool thing, and it and it does tackle some uh, some unexpected material, which I really liked and thought was cool. Sweet. So yeah, that one was called Small Body. Interesting. Um, and then I rewatched Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, a classic. Oh, I absolutely like that one. love this movie. This is like my favorite Miyazaki movie, maybe besides Spirited Away. they kind
2: of there. Nice. This one
0: I feel like more personal towards. Yeah. Because um, I just I love, it. and I think I, I think I've decided that Nausicaa is my my favorite character in anything
1: nice yeah she rocks
0: she's so cool and i there was like something in her character arc that i noticed that i didn't notice before um in this viewing so that then i think that's what made me decide what was it really
2: cool
0: well just because like um at the beginning when she kills all those people
2: mm-hmm.
0: that like after they mess with her dad will kill her dad <laughs> um, <laughs> she like goes crazy and goes off the walls and There's a moment afterwards where she—I didn't realize that this happened—but she mentions that she's like gonna well up, like dam up all the water that was growing all the plants in her basement, Mm
2: -hmm. you know.
0: And Mm -hmm. there was like a cool scene when she's talking to the guy, and she kind of really makes a conscious decision that like I have like the potential to be really bad and like I don't know, like kill off, like be like powerful thing, but I I don't want to do that. I want to instead like she kind of like makes a conscious decision then
2: yeah and
0: then for the rest of the movie she's always like when she has an opportunity she's always like taking making the choice to like towards the non-violent side of it yeah and i just think that was really cool because as a character she has the potential to like i don't know be really badass and like take on a big fighter warrior kind of deal um, but she, like she can do that if she wanted to, and I think that that's an important thing for her character that she's not just like, oh, stop fighting, whatever. But like she is, and she like makes that decision to turn that way when she could go the other way. And I didn't maybe realize it, it was such like a conscious thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really appreciated that, and I found yeah it was so cool.
1: Cool, yeah. She really is such a great character, and it's such a good movie.
0: Yeah, I love this movie. I love just the the kind of like culture clash, I guess, of like the world that's being built up. I think mm-hmm. this is honestly uh, Miyazaki's most interesting world. Um, yeah, and I really want to read the manga because I I, I I realize that I'm a sucker for movies in which that are based on manga, in which the director is the gu- also the guy who wrote the manga. The other one I'm thinking of is Akira, Mm -hmm.
2: um,
0: which is directed, written and directed by Kachihiro Otomo. um, Mm. And I want to read the manga for that one too. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Interesting like little sub genre that I want to find more stuff because I think it's cool because the director is the one who like created the world and therefore knows what to include and what to leave out when shortening it into a feature-length movie from something that's so like much bigger? Yeah, very. Um, cool. Which I guess I don't know because I haven't actually read the mangas of both of those, but the movie just works for each of them. And
1: mm-hmm. I'm excited
0: to like to kind of dive into the bigger world of it. So.
1: Yeah. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Um, okay, I rewatched Juno this month. Uh, Juno has been one of my most favorite movies since I was in high school. I love it so much and it is such like a comfort movie to me is every time i rewatch it i just it just makes me feel so happy also i always forget that jason bateman is in this movie i don't know how i've seen it a million times and i love jason bateman and still somehow every time when i realize that the the like husband character is jason bateman i'm like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why i never remember that it's him um and it's a pleasant surprise every time but uh Yeah, this movie is a perfect ten out of ten for me. One of my all-time favorites. I love it so much. And this time around, I cried while I watched it, which I've never actually done before. But I don't. Something about it just got to me this time. It's just very, just very tender and sweet movie, but also so genuinely funny. Like I just laugh out loud. The dialogue of this movie is so good. But like so subtly, like so much of this movie seems so just kind of like low budget and like almost silly that some, sometimes when I watch it, I'm like, did anybody who was involved in the making of this movie like actually realize how much of a masterpiece it was going to be? I don't know. <laughs> it really has held up. It's just so good. And it's so really funny. Good.
0: And the soundtrack.
1: And the soundtrack. So good. (laughs) Absolute perfection.
0: One of my favorite movie soundtracks.
1: Yeah, me too. And yeah, there's just a lot of really (laughs) like authentic and interesting relationships in this movie too that I just like appreciated. I appreciated seeing them so much when I was in high school and still now that I'm long, pretty long out of high school, I appreciate it too. And I I don't know. It just, it just really holds up. I love that movie.
0: (sighs) I think i always will 2007 i'm telling you is the best year for movies <laughs> in the 21st century i gotta say i will stand by that I will, <laughs> i'll die on that hill um cool uh the next one I, I i watched a couple of Fellini movies to finish off my box set nice um, i'll actually talk about three because one of them isn't a Fellini movie but was still included in the box set okay But uh, so the first one is called "And the Ship Sails On." This one's a musical. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: We love a good Fellini musical. (laughs) Um, Basically, an opera singer dies, like the the number one opera singer, and all the people of the opera community all go on a cruise ship because she wanted her ashes to be scattered on like this the bay of her hometown or whatever. Mm -hmm. So. It's just a, a, a ship full of opera singers, and it is so silly. This one is just so such a fun little thing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and yeah. Thanks. Ah, it was awesome. Eight out of ten <laughs> for that one. Beautiful. Uh, and then I watched Intervista, which is really wild. It's one of the last ones he did, and it's kind of like a look back on his career. And he's, it's like a, it's not a documentary, but at the same time, it's about shooting a movie that he's like, he's like a character. So, it, I mean, it feels like a documentary, but it's all like staged and scripted, but out of the classic late Fellini type <laughs> of stuff.
2: Nice.
0: Um, but there's some really cool moments in this one. And it, it really kind of works as a look back on his life as a creator. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that only he could do mm-hmm. uh, so it's like a fun little movie that uh is is very essential to like the whole picture of of him as a director so i'm glad cool. this one is in the box set i give this one a seven out of ten mm-hmm. and uh and the last one is um a three-hour documentary about marcello mastriani
2: mm-hmm.
0: um made around the time of his death which was after Fellini. I think Fellini died in like 93 and mm. Mastriani died in 96, Made okay. around then anyways. <laughs> um, but this is such an interesting like ending to the whole box set because it's from a different perspective and it's not, necess- it's not about Fellini the whole time through. But in, in like so many of his movies, you see Mastriani as, uh, like Fellini even called him his alter ego, a lot of times. And at the peak of Fellini's career, Mastriani played uh, like the Fellini stand in characters, I guess. And so we've seen throughout the box set like all these like supplemental materials about like Fellini that you feel like you really get to know who he is. So at the end, it was really interesting to kind of show someone else. And Mastriani has like a such a different background because he was always from Rome. Well, he just seems like such a interesting and genuine guy um so it's really cool to kind of just hear his take on all the stuff going on in his life and career and like see the the subtle similarities and differences between him and Fellini because it's clear that they're very different people but it makes sense that they're also kind of the same um so that was such an interesting kind of way to wrap up this whole box set and now I, i've seen nice. like, all of the material on all of the discs it's been a long journey um and it was such i i i sat down and watched this one in chunks cuz 3 hours is a long time to watch uh, a documentary in my opinion um yeah but uh, i had a blast with it i watched it in like over like three sittings um and it was it was so fun there was there's a lot of like clips from his movies that might have been i don't know some of them were really cool but uh that might have like pulled the runtime. i didn't rate this one but i think that one that was the only like Drawback I would have to say about it, but uh, he really had such a good career and I think kind of mirrors um, a lot of Italian cinema over the time he was active. So it was really cool, really cool. Nice. Well, I'm glad I watched it. It's called Marcello Mastroianni, I Remember. Cool. Yeah, it was What's awesome.
1: Um, okay, the next movie I saw this month, and the only movie that I saw in the movie theater this month, was The Batman with. Uh, (laughs) Um, which I really really enjoyed kind of more than I expected to I thought that I would like it because I like Robert Pattinson and I wanted to see like a darker moodier Batman um, and this really kind of delivered on that but it was long (laughs) it was really like such a long movie it kind of just dragged in the middle for me Um, and also it still had that sort of like cheesy superhero movie uh, humor that I just hate and I really was kind of shocked to see in this. I didn't think that they would attempt to have any sort of moments of comedic relief because I thought it was just supposed to be emo Batman and yeah. that was the whole vibe but they still went for some of that just just corny like superhero punchline that I just don't like and I was like really Like what? I don't know. I can't think of any examples. I can't
0: think of any either. <laughs> like, <laughs> I Because I, like- I also watch it. So we can get into it, but uh.
1: there was a couple of just I don't know goofy punchlines that you just expect to see in these types of movies, but I didn't expect to see in the new Batman, but were there nonetheless, and I just didn't like that, um and I rolled my eyes a couple times. Also, Catwoman chews gum in every scene that she's in. And it pissed me off so deeply. And I thought that this was gonna be a universal experience. And it was the first thing that I mentioned when me and my friends got out of the theater and nobody else even noticed this. It was like it was so distracting to me. She's like loudly chewing gum in like half of the movie. I hated that. Anyways, other than those minor complaints, I thought it was great. It was fun. I think the Riddler is such a good villain and I'm really glad that he got like the attention that he deserves in this movie. The riddles were really good and really fun. Um and that was really one of my favorite parts. And I love Robert Pattinson and I thought that he did a great job. And I loved the Nirvana song. Very nice touch. Uh I gave it an eight out of ten. It was good.
0: Nice. I also gave this one an eight out of ten. Nice. I could not take it seriously when the riddler, Mr. Riddle, uh, yeah. was like singing in his cell.
1: Oh, I know. That was I didn't like that very much either.
0: That I don't know. I was laughing. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I was like, come on, really? Come on.
1: Um, um, I thought it was. I guess that this is a little bit of a spoiler, but I thought it was very, very ambitious of them to introduce another Joker character at the very end of the movie uh, and uh, no. sort of set it up as if that will be the direction that the next movie goes in. And I don't know. I don't know if I like that they're already going to do that. Yeah, how that goes.
0: I kind of agree, but uh, as far as the movie goes itself, I liked it on the whole. There was a couple of moments that I really liked.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the, I feel the same.
0: There's like a couple times where I was like, "Yeah, this is hype."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think it was a little bit overlong. And oh, I wanted to say the the the, the chewing gum did bug me in one scene. Um, <laughs> okay, good. I'm I did notice it. <laughs> like, but I thought of that. I was like, I don't know. I, not that it necessarily bugged me. It was just really nuts. <laughs> just I don't really think I much of a problem with it. Yeah, it was cool. It, it was, was cool. cool. It was- good i liked it's it it's a good direction for the superhero movies i will watch yeah. something like this over i don't know most other stuff any day
1: i agree yeah it was good i'd also i forgot to mention this but i really like the return to batman as a detective i think mm-hmm. that that's the direction that Batman really needed to go in that was really lacking with like the last couple of shots at this um gotcha. but, ba- but batman is a detective and that the is the world's return. greatest huge huge part of his skills like because he's a superhero with no real superpowers you're supposed to play up the brains part of him and i'm glad that this movie finally showed how like smart and calculating he is
0: yeah i agree kind of because i think he didn't really come (laughs) off as that he was kind of like handed the answers in a lot of ways in this one Mm. and so some of the times i was like little disappointed that they didn't because it seemed like they were like gearing in that direction more yeah yeah like i like kind of really like the overall tone of this feeling more like a police procedural in some ways yeah um but a couple of the times i was like he can he didn't seem as smart as he should have been
1: uh i don't know i like outplayed
0: by the riddler the whole time
1: that's true but he was good at solving the riddles for the mm-hmm. most part and piecing together the clues and I liked that ultimately he did get led astray like he kind of got got by the Riddler you know like he yeah. I, I shouldn't be so smart that he's that the Riddler's like not even a problem for him you know like yeah. I liked that he got played a little bit but was still still clever and ultimately wins it was good with me
0: yeah uh, there was one other point big point I had about this one that I really liked is that it was like a serious movie but it it kind of was poking fun at that idea mm. at the same time too. Like it wasn't, it didn't take itself too seriously, mm. um, which I really liked because I think there are moments where it, it was clear that, that, that it was kind of poking fun at itself, uh, which nice. I really liked. And I think that yeah. that's the reason like that it needed to do that. Um, because I think that's been a lot of the complaint about some of these Batman adaptations, like, Oh, it's so like dark or whatever. Right. And I think this one really, Filled the perfect balance of like mm. bringing that to the table but not getting trapped within it like it yeah. was able to be like a fun movie
1: um i agree it was yeah. so fun
0: yeah yeah there's like a couple like minor things about the plot that i didn't really care about because at the end of the day it was such a fun time at the theater <laughs> and uh yeah, I think maybe trim 15 minutes off of this in just yeah. various places and I think it w- I would have liked it a lot better. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't mind the length that much because I think good for them for going for it.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, 8 out of 10. One of the one of better. Of is my favorite movie of 2022 of the two that I've seen.
1: Nice. I feel um, like it might be the only 2022 movie I've seen before.
0: Okay, gotcha um all right so the next one so i finished part of my condition with the feliti box set is that i wouldn't buy another criterion box set until i finished that one uh-huh. but then i broke that promise because the flash sale happened so that i had to watch all the rest of that before the next one arrived which i mm-hmm. did but now so now begins my journey through the Wang Kar Wai, the world of Wang Kar Wai Criterion Hi. box set. Um, <laughs> the first one in that is called As Tears Go By. I think it was his first feature, actually. And mm-hmm. this one is uh, really interesting because you can see some of his stylistic stuff that he would develop further later on. Um, and this one feels definitely not very polished, but there's a lot of really cool stuff in it including Maggie Chung, who would be his like longtime collaborator. She shows up in this one and uh, it's it doesn't really it's not really sure if it's trying to be a romance movie or like a gang story. And I think that's where it kind of it doesn't like find that balance super well. but mm-hmm. the elements that make up each of the respective, um, stories that it's going for work really well in this one. So overall I really liked it. It It's a, a really fun watch. It like kept me engaged the whole time which I think is, a, is like really important for something like this. So even though it didn't really quite like uh, find the right perfect balance, I still really like it. Um, nice. And I, I would recommend this one to anyone who likes other Wong Kar Wai movies that they've seen. Uh, 7 out of 10.
1: Very nice.
0: He's just so good. I don't know. <laughs> I'm such a f- I'm so excited to watch all the other stuff in this box set too. I've seen it of there's seven movies in it and I've uh, seen four of them only four of them so this is well now five so there's two more that I've yet to see yet to see
1: nice. um, and a
0: couple of rewatches. the most the 2046 for some reason the version that's on Amazon Prime is like really bad <laughs> like <laughs> like uh, it's it's standard definition or worse and i think for something as like visual as it is i'm really excited to watch that on the blu-ray um i don't know that's that's like ah, i hate that this is the person that i'm turning into but i am you know. <laughs> that's funny um but anyways the next one i watched was called kiss kiss bang bang this is a uh, shane black movie from 2005 with Robert Downey Jr. in it. And I think in a lot of ways it's precursor to the nice guys. Yeah. Um, I didn't like it quite as much as the nice guys,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but I really liked it. It was a fun, a fun blast. Nice. But I, it did bug me. It, it did a lot of like kind of fourth wall breaky stuff with uh, like, because um, it has voiceover narration, but it's like, hi, I'm the narrator and also a character in the story. And I think that can be done well, but in this one, I just didn't really like it that much. I don't okay. know; it was weird. You've yeah. seen uh, the Emperor's New Groove, right?
1: I've seen the Emperor's New Groove.
0: <laughs> if it was like a lot like that, where like you know, in that one, that custo like just stops the movie sometimes and talks to uh-huh. the audience. I really liked it in that one.
2: I love I, that. A lot of
0: the same thing happened in this one, but for some reason, I just it didn't feel right in this one, and I think. A lot of people who like this one more than I did It's because they like that Element of it oh, okay. and I thought it was cool And interesting but yeah. just for some reason yeah. It just didn't work for me Okay but I still like the movie A lot overall and 7 out of 10 for that one as well Nice cool. um,
1: Alright all right. my next movie I Really didn't want to talk About at all because it's horrible uh, But I just didn't watch that many movies This <laughs> okay. one so I'm <laughs> <laughs> include it uh, the movie came out last year, and it's called American Underdog. And I, you could call this a, a faith based football movie.
0: I think. Oh, I've heard of it. So basically, they did a, some promotion, and everyone got free tickets at Coldstone. Like there was oh, like a code nice. that you could use. I never went and saw it, but I thought <laughs>
1: that's really
0: funny. Isn't it a, Isn't it like a biopic about Kurt Warner?
1: it's about kurt warner yeah yeah
0: football
1: player extraordinaire and it really just tells the story of he was like an older college student and very religious and i don't know poor and uh he had this i don't know his wife and him were like just really struggling just on hard times economically um and then he became a quarterback (laughs) for him. And it was a horrible, horrible movie. It was like shocking how bad it was. My uncle made me watch this to be clear when I was visiting them in Florida. This is exactly the type of movie that my uncle and my grandpa just love. And they made me watch it because they love football and they are religious and they love a good classic underdog tale. And it was inspirational to them and made them appreciate a hero of theirs, Kurt Warner, I guess. And they made me watch it because they thought it would have the same impact on me, I suppose. And it just—it <laughs> was horrible. It's just a bad movie. Like, it's not necessarily a bad story. Like, good for Kurt Warner for being able to overcome so many, like, boundaries in his life and do exactly what he wanted to do. Like, that rocks. I don't want to, like, shit on the tale of Kurt Warner, but the <laughs> movie, just as a movie, it was, it was just so bad. Like, the acting just brutal and the way that it's cut together the, like the editing of it is like just very like hallmark-esque I guess like it just like I just can't believe it was just made it just it was just bad <laughs> bad bad movie I'm gonna give it two stars just for being a movie I don't know I don't recommend this to anybody even oh. if you love Kurt Warner like <laughs> I feel like for the most part, you'd watch this and just be like they just did such a bad job of the way that they show Kurt Warner because this is so beyond corny. Like I want to think that Kurt Warner is like a cooler dude than this, and that's that.
0: There you go. <laughs> awesome. I'm glad you did talk about that.
1: Thank you. Uh,
0: the next one that I watched was called "Cruel Gun Story." This is the type of movie for me. I saw the, I saw it on the I saw, I saw it on the uh, the Criterion Channel, and I was like, "I'm gonna love this." It's a Japanese movie from the '60s about the yakuza, and uh, and it features his name is Joe Shishido, who is also in um, "Branded to Kill," which I lost, which I watched last month. And this dude had a uh, plastic surgery to give him the appearance of like chipmunk cheeks, and that's like his signature look, mm-hmm. um, which I think is cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Was, so every time I see him, I don't know. It's a, he's he's. Uh, I just had so much fun with this one. It's such a such a hard boiled Japanese noir flick, and I just love it. Um, the way that it ended was really stupid, but uh, I just loved the style and the vibe of it. And I, if if you like that sort of stuff, um, check it out. This is one that I, I guess like not many people have seen, and it's not as a uh, like uh, groundbreaking or inventive as something like Branded to Kill or, or mm. uh, other stuff by uh, Suzuki are. Because I talked about Tokyo Drifter, which is my personal favorite, but. Um, I don't know. I just had a blast with it. I just really liked it. (laughs) The way that it was shot, like the hard noir, black and white lighting. And just, I don't know. I just like these types of stories. And uh, I give it a seven out of 10. Um, And then, so the same day that I watched the Batman, I did actually a double feature of really long movies. This is part of my spring break. I watched one movie left had lunch came back watched the another movie the batman
2: nice Um,
0: and then by the time i got out i had watched two three-hour movies and it was only nine o'clock i still had the night ahead of me um which i would recommend if that's your thing Mm -hmm. i had it was such a fun day um but the first movie i watched the first part of this double feature was drive my car rusuke hamaguchi and this one did win at the Oscars. It won Best International Feature uh, mm-hmm. over *The Worst Person in the World*, which is also nominated. Um, which was like expected because this one was also nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. But I think people's like reactions that I know of um, to both of those are pretty similar. And I think the general consensus might be that uh, *The Worst Person in the World* was better. I personally like drive my car better, and I think it was a better movie. But this is another one that was is just made for me, like my kind of movie, because um, it's one of those that you really kind of just if you get on the vibe of, you just disappear into. And I love that. I want to compare it to another movie that I think is very similar, Burning, which we watched for this podcast, mm-hmm. um, which is also a nearly well, I think that one is just under three hours. Mm hmm. And I'm looking at the runtime on this one, and this one was also just under three hours because it was 179 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I guess this is also technically under three hours. Um, They're both adaptations of Haruki Murakami's short stories Mm -hmm. that capture the vibe, the, the Murakami vibe, while fleshing out the scenario and characters more than is presented in the stories. And I, think, and I think they're really similar in that way. Mm. Um, and they both pull it off super well at like making, like giving more meat to the bones of these characters and like more stuff going on outside of like the main scenario of the short story while mm-hmm. still keeping that like weird, not quite sure what's going on essence that's at the middle of it. Um, so this one follows a theater director who's putting on an adaptation of, uh, the Chekhov play uncle Vanya. And so the first like hour, like 40 minutes of this movie are, um, giving detail that wasn't in the short story about what came before Mm -hmm. the, like what, like the, the contents of the story. So like the credits roll, uh, 40 minutes into this movie, a classic, I love movies that do that too. Um, Mm -hmm. Anytime time that it doesn't start off with the credits is, always oh, you know, you're in for a good time. Another recent example that we watched was um, Long Day's Journey Into Night. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Um, So this one, like, kind of, it, it's, uh, his wife dies, and the first 40 minutes are about their relationship before she dies. Oh, okay. Um, And then it, it's about, he's putting on this play, and... He moves it's a two-month residency in Hiroshima. And part of their conditions are that he has to have someone else like be his driver because they've had problems in the past. But his whole thing is that he drives his own car and he recite like rehearses his lines while he's doing it. So he's so he gets assigned this driver and he doesn't he warms up to the idea later, but he doesn't want to do that at first and there's friction. But then so it's about this simultaneous relationship that he just like talking to the driver and they both like kind of tell each other about their own life stories and stuff while at the same time trying to put on this play and going through his own journey um with one specific character that he casts who has his own problems and there's history there uh, which none of the part of the play is in the short story and i think that that's the, ben- the biggest benefit of the movie is that they, they flesh all that stuff out because I think it, it works in really good tandem to the whole stuff that he's talking. Cause he talks, he tells the driver um, about his wife and kind of how their relationship was specific and interesting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: M- meanwhile, at the same time, that's his like regrets and his thoughts about that stuff is playing out in the way that he's putting on this play and that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. it's really quite a cool intersection. And uh, it's really like, it's a very slow movie full of lots of conversations, but since they're Murakami type conversations, it's still really interesting, but probably not for everyone. This is just such my thing. And I absolutely loved it. It's now my favorite movie from 2021. Wow. Awesome. Um, Because everything pays off later in the story. And it's such like an intricately woven script while still like, being so cinematic and cool
2: okay because
0: um, this is something i've talked about a lot where like dialogue heavy movies can be really good or really bad in my like for me yeah like if it's just feels like a play then i'll hate it <laughs> but this one not only didn't feel like a play there were sections that were just people putting on a play that felt cinematic so it's like the opposite <laughs> um <laughs> So I absolutely love this one. Nine out of ten. Everything that's introduced at some point has a payoff towards the end of the story. You just have to be patient with it, and it yeah. all comes together. So that's why I say it's not for everyone, but it is for me. And I'm so absolutely happy adore this one.
1: Good. Um, I'm so
0: glad. Yeah, nine out of ten, and my favorite movie of 2021.
1: Beautiful. Surprise that you have like no ten out of tens from 2021.
0: Yeah, I was actually like, thought about that. Um, And I looked past through some of the years, and about half of the years um, in the 2010s through like now uh, have 10 out of 10s, and about half don't.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Um, And only one of them has two 10 out of 10s, which is 2011, which were Drive and The Raid, are both 10 out of 10s for me in 2011.
1: Okay, nice. Um, No.
0: Every other year, has one or zero.
1: Whoa. Well, crazy.
0: I had the same thoughts like earlier today. So I, yeah. I actually just like looked through all. I wasn't planning that's on. Nice.
1: Yeah. I'm glad that you had this like information ready to yeah, go. <laughs>
0: yeah. I do this stuff all the time where I just like go. And that's why I love that I keep record. Like I'm, I like keeping records and stuff. So I can yeah, look back right. and see like, oh, huh. Interesting. Nice. So yeah. All
1: right. Well, I'm thrilled to tell you that I watched Blade Runner this month for the first time ever.
0: Incredible. Blade Runner.
1: <laughs> um, not Blade Runner 2049, but the original Blade Runner. But now I'm very excited to see Blade Runner 2049. Anyways, um, it was awesome. I I thought it was so good. As the person who, I don't know, doesn't care for action movies usually all that much or like sci-fi, really, uh-huh. <laughs> um, I like.
0: I don't even know if I'd call Blade Runner an action movie.
1: Yeah, it was more uh, a little bit more like slow burn than I expected it to be and like mm. a little bit more uh, political than I knew about too, which I really enjoyed. Um it was great. I don't know. It is it has such a unique vibe. The like vibe. the atmosphere of it is so good. Just like weirdly like dark and grainy but still futuristic and like bright, like Technicolor. I really enjoyed it. Just kind of like the scenery of it all. Um, Decker is such an awesome, badass lead character that I really liked. Um, and it also was just like really thought provoking. Like it just really kind of gets you thinking about like, what is consciousness and memory? What is it to be a human being? And like, I it's it was really just kind of a big thought experiment about that type of stuff. Um, and I Liked thinking about that, uh, that kind of those kinds of questions uh, more than I expected to. And yeah, I just, I really understand why this one has withstood the test of time so well and just become kind of a, a classic. And I'm really glad that I finally watched it. And I gave it a nine out of 10.
0: Nine out of 10. Awesome. I also have that one at a nine out of 10. Nice. Um, You were talking about like the themes and stuff. I think you should check out Ghost in the Shell because I think that's okay. the only other movie that I've seen that. Follows up and deals with that in a really interesting way too. Okay, cool. Um, Good to know. Yeah, Ghost in the Shell the, the the original anime version. I've never seen the the live oh, action Scarlett American. Johansson. Yeah, yeah. I never. I haven't seen it, so I can't say anything about it. But uh, all
1: cool. I know about that one is like the jokes that people make about Scarlett Johansson playing an Asian woman in that movie, <laughs> <laughs> which is funny to me, yeah. but. There yeah, I should watch the original,
0: but I was. Yeah, it's really good, and it's like short. It, it's it's there's no all the fat on that one is trimmed off. Like it's, I don't know, just oh, the cool. facts, I guess. Cool, good to know. Uh, I love that one, um, but yeah, I wanted to say that like the vibe because that's that's like the coolest thing about Blade Runner is just like the world that is presented. Yeah, I just think like the 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 combination of like miniatures and production design, and, mm. you know, some special effects just like creates this world so well Mm -hmm. that is so impressive to me that i absolutely love and adore um because it's such like an interesting like thought experiment too Mm
2: -hmm.
0: of like a few because i it's set in 2019 i think
2: right yeah
0: um and it feels it's like a a vision of the future that feels like besides the flying cars it feels like that it could have been achievable if things went different ways
1: yeah yeah, maybe but, uh, not
0: by 2019.
1: Weird like, prediction to have made too. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like I don't know. It was uh, such a unique idea. It
0: was really cool. Yeah. Love Blade Runner.
1: Oh, Love
0: Blade Runner. Um, do you
1: like 2049? I can't remember.
0: Yeah, I really do. Okay. okay. I think excited. I think that one is the perfect reboot sequel kind of thing. I don't know like, if I would call it a reboot because that, that's too franchisey for what it was because it really okay. respects the original story and world, um, while still pres- like telling its own story, I think that's cool. it's one of the most impressive movies. Like it, it's the most impressive of this kind of wave of like revisiting old franchises from the. Okay. Well, I shouldn't say franchises because Blade Runner is its own thing, but
2: right.
0: I it's more impressive to me than even Doom was, and I really like Doom too. So
2: nice,
0: cool. Because um, that I was like Denzel last movie. Awesome! Yeah, you should check it out. Thanks. Nice. Uh, so yeah, I, I mentioned that I watched Nausicaa earlier this month. I also I, I just went through. I've been kind of like rewatching some of my favorites that I have on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. I rewatched Nashville.
1: Nice. And
0: I oh my goodness, this movie gets me every time. And then this <laughs> movie it just has me like weeping more than anything else does. I love this movie so much. I'm so it's, glad. To me, it's Magnolia but better. <laughs> Because it's it's, I it's, it's it. yeah, it tells a similar type of story as okay. far as like so many different characters, and they aren't really like given precedence, yeah. Over I, I do,
1: I really love that type
0: of movie structure. Um, but just like the way that it's treated, it, it's the way that it's like filmed and directed is also, I guess, I would the word I'd use is like objective, it doesn't ever like tell you. What to feel, and um, like in specific moments, which I think is why I like it more than like why it worked for me. Well, where Magnolia didn't necessarily, in some ways, yeah, is that it never feels like because I think, even though Magnolia deals with many different characters and does a lot of things,
1: yeah,
0: each like moment that the characters has is specifically that character's moment, I guess, or like those two characters, if it's like between them, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. But the way that Nashville shot is so much more objective, like, there's so much happening, and there's like interactions in each scene between these different characters that, like, you get different stuff out of it in each viewing because there's always stuff going on. Uh, Robert Altman has, like, is kind of known for this style of sound recording Mm -hmm. um, where there's just people talking overlapping all the time. Like, everyone's talking over each other. You never know. Mm -hmm and it works I think to perfection in this one because the story that it's telling is so like widespread. And so there's just so much, I think it's, it it really shows, paints a picture of America, both good and bad. Interesting. Um, Which I think was the purpose of it. Um, It really captures, because even though it's kind of a pseudo musical, there's lots of singing in it and it's about Mm -hmm. country music in Nashville. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's not what it's about. It's it's showing America through that lens. Uh, it all comes together and that what just works perfectly to me. I, this is one of the most important movies to me and one of my favorites ever.
1: Every time I talk about it, it I it makes me want to watch it so bad. But nothing has ever made me want to watch it more than you referring to it as Magnolia, but better. That really
0: <laughs> Magno- <laughs> Magnolia, my- but more tailored to me.
1: Yeah, okay. I, I,
0: I know how much you like Magnolia. I really like,
1: I really like Magnolia. Yeah. I have to watch Nashville. I really need to prioritize that one this month, I think. Yeah,
0: I just it's, it's everything to me. It's in that rare, like, top tier 10 out of 10s for me that just are so, like, overwhelming that, like, do... that are about, like, everything... And nothing at the same time yeah that's like it's because i give i don't not like super freely do i give out 10 out of 10s but there's this belongs like in its own separate tier of
1: sure totally
0: movies that i watched that i was just completely floored and blown away by and i continue to be this is the third time i've seen it yeah and uh every time it just really really gets to me
1: i really hope that i get to have an experience that's like maybe that profound
0: with it too yeah I, and like people that i've watched with haven't had that same experience yeah. so i just I, I don't know but uh cool um yeah nashville, <sighs> nashville.
2: Um,
0: and then i watched a silent picture from 1920 called the golem how he came into the world this is about a czech legend or i guess kind of um a uh, a, a jewish Prague legend because uh I don't know. We, le- we, we learned a lot about it um, when we were there because it's kind of the story about in, in Prague, there was the Jewish quarter, like the Jewish ghetto um, mm-hmm. that was implemented and in the 1600s. Uh, and eventually, uh, King Joseph did away with all of that. But before then, I guess, under Rudolf, King Rudolf in this one, um, basically, the, the there's a legend about the rabbi, Rabbi Lowe. Um, made a clay creature and breathed life into it and it protected the Jewish quarter um, against those that wished it harm and this movie didn't uh, this is not the same legend that I was told (laughs) Um, this one takes a couple key departures but that's okay (laughs) it's uh, well, actually I don't know if it was okay this one's a a little less kind to the Jews um, in some ways that really had me scratching my head. Mm. But it was really cool the way it uh, it went about things. And Because uh, I'm doing my stuff like the 100 years ago thing. And this is one that I was looking at from the 1920, like 1920 that really catch my eye because I didn't start this project until 21. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to go back and watch it uh, for a little while now. And uh, I'm glad I saw it. There's some really cool moments in this one. And uh, it's very, it's about kind of astrology too. Oh as, cool. Um, the the Rabbi Lowe is presented as more of like a a, a mystic kind of guy in the mm-hmm. sun. And, I like
2: that.
0: And it, it and it lends itself to some really cool cinematic moments of like uh of uh wizardry for lack of a better word. Um Very yeah, cool. it was really interesting. There was like a couple little things that rubbed me the wrong way, but I think overall this one's really cool and and uh a silent movie that is watchable, I guess I find them all watchable, but, uh, um, it, it it held my attention the whole time. It was was really, I guess an eight out of 10.
1: Very cool. Um, all right. The last movie that I watched this month was the eyes of Tammy Faye, uh, which I watched because Jessica Chastain won best actress for it. So I wanted to see it. And I had no idea that, uh, Andrew Garfield is the other star of this movie. That was like a pleasant surprise when he showed up and then was there for the entire movie because he also stars in it. (laughs) Um, But anyway, (laughs) The Eyes of Tammy Faye is a true story about Tammy Faye and her husband, whose name I cannot remember now. Their last name is Baker. I can't remember his first name, but he's played by Andrew Garfield. Um, But they were these like TV evangelical personalities in the eighties, like wildly popular. They essentially made this like 24 hour streaming TV channel um, for Christians. And they, uh, they're just big, big personalities. Both of them like very deeply invested in the Christian church, but also pretty progressive. And so a little controversial Um, and they're kind of like their TV shows on their channel sort of sort of became like half Christian and also almost like an advice column, but Mm -hmm. that was like live. And Tammy Faye's whole thing was that she just wanted to help people with their real problems. And she was kind of shameless and unapologetic and just wanted to really openly talk about um, things that I guess Christians sort of like to pretend aren't real sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, and so she was like wildly popular because of that, but then also ultimately was taken down by more serious traditional Christians. And so this movie kind of follows her and her husband's rise and fall. And it was so interesting to me. I was just like wildly entertained the whole time. Tammy Faye seems like one of the most interesting people who has ever lived. And Jessica Chastain played her so well. It was just crazy. Like, it was just so cool to watch. And I haven't seen... Some of the other movies that where people were nominated for best Actress. But I think she was very deserving anyway in this movie because she was just she was just so good. And it was crazy. And also this movie follows uh, quite a long span of time. And it was really cool to see. Jessica Chassain and Andrew Garfield have to play these younger and older versions of these characters. And it was cool to watch them sort of like mature over the course of this movie and the way that they like acted and stuff. I, I don't know. It was just really cool. It did not get great reviews. I learned, or at least not on Letterboxd. Like when I went to log it on Letterboxd, it has like a three star average and most people were kind of shitting on it a little bit, but I loved it. And I was really shocked to see that. I thought it was a great movie and just such an interesting story which is just exactly like what movies that follow real events should be like you should pick the most entertaining (laughs) things that actually happened um and then portray them with this like kind of like nuance um and care which this movie really did and i loved it i don't know i would highly recommend i gave it an eight out of ten i don't understand why so many people disliked it (laughs) i was a big fan
0: nice Um, okay i have two more to talk about one Wait. of them I actually watched this month, but I'm so cheating a little bit, but that's okay. okay. Um, the first one is the Second Mother. This is I, I decided to watch this because I've been I've been keeping up with the Letterbox Top 250 Narrative Features list.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I I I just got intrigued by it, and I decided I'd start keeping track of the rise because it's updated weekly. So I decided to mm-hmm. keep track of the rise and fall each week to see like what is trending upwards or downwards. I just find that sort of stuff really interesting. So I started doing wow. that the last couple of weeks. Um, and this is one that it went up five places this week. And wow. I hadn't really heard about it. So I decided to check it out. It was on the Criterion channel. Thanks. Uh, this is a Brazilian movie from 2015. Yeah, so this it's it follows um, a, a uh, Val who is a, a maid, a live-in maid for this rich family um, whose daughter had to grow up kind of away from her because she didn't have the money so she would work in the um, at, at, with the family and send money to help support her growing mm-hmm. up she's she's grown and grown now um, but at the same time she kind of raised the family's kid and f- the the kid feels strong more strongly towards her towards her than his actual mother um, but now the, the daughter is like graduating and trying to get into college and she moves to the same city. That the the mom is living in,
2: mm. and
0: so the she has nowhere. She lives in the house in the house with the family, so she comes to stay there. And it really kind of it's about like the class difference, you know. And and the daughter doesn't know that like doesn't have like the the instincts, the survival instincts to like um, lower herself around this kind of this kind of uh, like richer and well off family, and it causes friction and i don't know it's just it's really cool and it's dealt with um lots of nuance in these situations and yeah i don't know i had a really good time watching it like it was such an interesting watch and the ending was so like satisfying which is always good for these kinds of movies
2: yeah
0: Um, there was a couple things that like rubbed me the wrong way a little bit that i was Mm. like oh i'm not sure um but i think overall this is a really good one and i think more people should watch it Nice, that's awesome. Um, so I'm glad like, I'm going to keep this up because I'm really it's cool. Like which uh, movies like it'll draw my attention to in the future. So I hope to yeah. kind of continue on doing Very that. Cool. With the, the 250 list. I give this one an eight out of ten.
2: Nice.
0: Um, and the last oh, I, that was the last movie I watched in March, but I wanted to talk about uh, the first one in April because I said in the last wrap up that I'd watch it in the next month, mm. um, and it's the Phantom Thread. Whoa, Anderson. Oh man, what did you think? I thought it was awesome. Yay! I think, I think it, it, it's interesting that they both start Daniel Day-Lewis uh, because I think this falls in the same category of P.T. Anderson movies, at least that I've seen as There Will Be Blood, In those yeah. that feel more polished, I guess. It feels like, a, I guess, more delicately constructed would be yeah. the words I would use where um, I think most of P.T.'s style um, otherwise, is kind of like feels messier, like controlled yeah. messiness. Um,
1: yeah, definitely. I think. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> like even like licorice in pizza. Ways, I and, would really say that too. Yeah, advice and, and, and-, and punch drunk love. Yeah. Um, which I think has its own benefits that you know I may or may not be on board depend- with depending on the the movie, but uh, I think this definitely belongs in a different category. These two stand out of the ones that I've seen. uh, These mm-hmm. two kind of stand out more. um, and to kind of it's like flexing his muscles i guess of like (laughs) i can make this really like delicately constructed well shot because i think he shoots all his own stuff too which Mm -hmm. is crazy to me he does it he does it all it's crazy uh but yeah this is such like an interesting story and dynamic um and it's it's so like carefully constructed which I, i really like almost something that for me kind of doesn't take away from my enjoyment of it, but kind of takes away from like my personal connection to it. It feels like it's, and I think that's like the big difference um, for me between like this, these two styles of movies is that Mm -hmm. this one's almost something that I, that I don't feel like personally attached to as much uh, because it seems like it's in a, in a glass house above,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. uh, which I think is really cool. And I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that there's stuff like that because it's something that I can just watch without having to like not just because it's not like I'm not thinking about it when I'm watching it like it, it did make me like think about like these de- relationship dynamics and stuff yeah but it was like more of a detached viewing which I honestly really liked
1: mm-hmm.
0: I, I really liked this movie and uh, I, I was engrossed by it fully me too. um I completely agree. Yeah, because it's, it's. I think, and I, I know I'm talking way too much about Murakami today, but I think they, P.T. Anderson and, and him, uh, share a similar trait in their construction of characters mm. and like what they focus on about them and the way that, that uh, you know, like really quirky and like weird people that you would stray from maybe in real life. Uh, <laughs> play really authentic and interesting Um, Mm -hmm. because i think like the first scene where they meet each other in this movie is like if i mean like putting myself in the shoes of uh alma like who is this dude like what right (laughs) but uh but it it just it works in the movie and i think that it presents this really interesting relationship is very authentic and Mm -hmm. i really loved it
1: I agree so much and I'm so glad that you loved it too. I think that this movie is yeah. so good. And now I really want you to watch Boogie Nights, um, which is a, a 10 out of 10 for me. It's like uh-huh. 10 for my favorite PTA with Magnolia. But I think that Boogie Nights stands out to me as the one that is like perfectly in between his two categories of movies that you were just talking about, mm. or like messy versus polished, I guess you could Interesting. simply put it, but it it's like a, very chaotic content matter and follows a really sprawling cast of characters, much like Magnolia, mm-hmm. but has one cohesive story arc the same way that like Phantom Thread or uh, There Will Be Blood has. So it's a, I don't know. To me, that is like a okay. dead center of his range of movies
0: yeah also, i got you. I love it
1: a lot <laughs> <laughs> i want you to see it
0: <laughs> yeah i will check it out um okay. and that's just interesting because that mirrors what we said about spirited away mm. falling in the middle at least that's what i, yeah,
1: thought I totally sure.
0: making that point specifically because, because it was um uh like miyazaki's kind of two styles yeah. merged together so
1: I agree. It's weird to make, to draw any sort of comparison between Boogie Nights and Spirited Away. <laughs> One's a very wholesome children's movie. And one oh, yeah. is about making porn in the seventies. Yeah. But in terms of comparing the directors, it does make sense.
0: To <laughs> the yeah, thread nine out of 10.
1: Nice. But I think I a nine out of 10 as well.
0: I will say it didn't make my favorites list where, um, I guess I don't have any PT Anderson movies in my favorites list
2: yeah. yet. <laughs>
0: yet but uh i think maybe certain other movies that aren't as good of movies in my opinion i had more connection to
1: interesting yeah sense. i know i actually feel the same way like i i've heard a couple people say that phantom Thread is their favorite pta movie and i that makes a lot of sense yeah. in my brain because it just feels like maybe it's his best um mm-hmm. in terms of i don't know direction i don't know yeah. what but it is not the one that I personally like resonates most or would call my favorite.
0: I see. Uh, Yeah. And I would say that even though originally I gave Inherent Vice a six out of 10 and I gave Phantom Thread a nine out of 10, I would more quickly rewatch Inherent Vice because I know less of what to make of it.
1: Interesting. I loved Inherent Vice. I love all of those movies. I don't really know why.
0: (laughs) I don't know. I did really well. Like Inherent Vice is one that I liked more. Thinking about it later, yeah. Um, and we'll see how like this ages in my mind for me. Yeah, but, uh, really Yeah, you just can't deny the quality that's there. Phantom Dead, I think so.
1: Completely agree.
0: Nine out of ten for me,
1: and me as well.
0: And that's what we watched this month. <laughs> um, quite a long episode, but that's okay.
1: Yeah.
0: I had fun. I had fun too. I always <laughs> do. Um. So, what are we going to do for next week? Do you want to watch? Angel's Egg?
1: I do want to watch Angel's Egg. For that next is week.
0: by the same director as Ghost Show.
1: Yes, I remember us discussing this.
0: Yeah, Cool, yeah, it. It. I'm
1: down to watch Angel's it's Egg. It's a
0: short watch. It's only like 75 minutes, I think. Perfect. It'll be um, a good, nice movie episode for us. I agree. For on. next week.
2: Yes, for next week.
0: Awesome. All right, that means all that is left to do is to recommend an album, which is our end-of-episode tradition.
1: indeed it is um i had a different album picked out but now i kind of just want to recommend the juno soundtrack because we were just talking about (laughs) it is and i i just completely agree and you even if you've never seen juno which first of all you should um i you could just really still get so much out of just listening to the soundtrack like having never seen the movie because it's that good and it's very cohesive like it is just a really Solid selection of songs that just sound like They are meant to be on an album together Which is very interesting because they were just none. To my knowledge none of them were like Written for the movie they were just picked Because Mm. of the vibe and the vibe Is very good and I would and it's like Just a really cute quirky kind of folky Album for the most part And an absolutely perfect soundtrack You should listen to it
0: Incredible I'm going to recommend an album that I'm pretty sure no one listening to this has ever heard of. It is by a Slovak band called Unstrung Harp, an album called Sketches of Future Sweaters. I don't know how I found these guys, but they are so (laughs) good. I was listening to this album because I like cycle through albums to listen to to put stuff on the daily. Yeah. uh, I don't really remember how I found these guys but uh just listening to this album i was like this is all these songs are so good and then i just look at every time it's just so cool to me every time i look at the band and see that they have like no listeners mm-hmm. but they're still like objectively really good i love this album this is That's awesome so good it's called sketches of future sweaters it's on spotify um yeah check it out it's called unstrung harp
2: very cool um i will check it out
0: it's a good one uh, all right, so that's 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 our albums, and now episode 105 has reached its conclusion. Um, closing the door on our first two years of speaking English.
1: One ride! Literally
0: we'll start next week. <laughs> <laughs> crazy, crazy,
1: crazy! <laughs> Congratulations, um, speaking English.
0: We I'm did two it. Two years old. We <laughs> did two <laughs> years old. Um, Cool. Yeah. So we'll, we'll watch Angel's Egg for next week. Have a great week, everyone. Do great things. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll open up the mailbag again for next week and tell us what you thought about the Oscars or any of the movies yeah. that we've talked about or anything else. Ask us any questions and uh, we'll get to it on the next episode. Um, yeah. Thanks so much, everyone.
1: Thank you, everybody. Goodbye.
0: And bye now.